Thank you for joining the Home Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at myhomechurch.org. We're not afraid of that rain anymore. We got the floor. (laughs) All right, we're looking at the third foundational name. Remember, Father, Son, Holy Spirit are all Adonai. They're all Adonai. So here's what we're going to do. There's two Psalms I want to hit really quick just to kind of get us in the right direction. And then I really want us to get into Philippians chapter 2. All right, so I want to read Psalm 8 just to give us, we're just, so just stay with me, right? Just walk with me. I promise we're going to unpack this and it's going to be really beautiful. But I want you to see um, Psalm chapter 8. Psalm chapter 8 is nine verses. The first verse and the last verse of Psalm 8 have the same declaration. It's actually a confession. It starts with this and it's going to end with this. And I want to put before you right now that what we're about to read was not done when the people of God gathered. It wasn't done in some haphazard, casual manner. What we're about to read was expressed on bended knee. The the assembly would come together and in reverence, in fear and trembling before God Almighty, they would bend on knee and they would say this. They would say, oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic Meaning how impressive, how exalted, how lofty, how superb, how brilliant is your name in all the earth. Just picture this assembly, them gathering, them coming low and saying, Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic and awesome is your name. Now listen, I want you to, I want to teach this for a moment. Look at how it starts. Oh Lord, our Lord. Two times it says Lord, and you'd say, oh, it's just repetition. No, remember what we shared. This is, this is actually different names of God. In the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, when you see Lord in all capitals, that's Yahweh. Then when you see Lord with just a capital L, that's Adonai. So what this is saying is, oh, Yahweh, our Adonai. How majestic is your name. There's something majestic about the title. It's actually a title, Adonai. And my heart today is that we're going to capture the majesty and brilliance of the fact that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in our life is Adonai. And I pray that we would be moved to have a similar confession in our life. A similar confession to say, oh Jesus, our Adonai. And this confession is so much more than just a philosophical affirmation. It is a deep inward confession of the soul that he is our Lord, Lord over our life. And as we recapture, or maybe for the first time, capture the beauty and brilliance of this title, I, I, I almost want to laugh because there's an irony in the title Adonai. I don't know if there is a title or name of God that is more offensive to the pride of man than this right here. And so it's brilliant, it's majestic, and yet at the same time, it gets right up in our business. <laughs> Because at the end of the day, what we find out is that he's, he's Lord. There's nothing that, that directly assaults like the flesh of man more than the fact that our God is Adonai. It's a beautiful thing, but the reality is, is that he's Lord over our life. The title Adonai means master, ruler, owner. In fact, what we're going to look at is it actually has a lot of connotation with slavery, not in the way that we think and how there was horrific things that took place in our nation towards African Americans. It's more as an indentured servant. But nevertheless, when you were a slave, a bond slave, you gave up all your rights and you had a master. 
Our master is Jesus. He actually purchased us with his blood. He owns us. He says, your life is not your own anymore. He rescued us from slavery to sin to become slaves to righteousness. We worship him with all that we have. I thank God that, that my God, he's Abba, he's Daddy. He's, he's, a, he's my friend, but we must never forget that he is Lord. He is Lord, and our lives should come before that and tremble at that. So he's, he's master, he's ruler, he's owner. Um, it's Adonai speaks to his sovereign and supreme authority over everything. Everything comes under our Lord. As we'll see when we get to Jesus, he is lifted high above everything. Every principality, every power, every name comes under Jesus. And I want you to know that this is not just in a general sense. He is Lord of all, but he is Lord over your life. He is Lord over my life. He is my master. He is my owner. And where the master says to go, we say, yes, I go. <laughs> when the master says, leave this job, we say, I leave this job. <laughs> This is lordship, guys, and I want to know that a lot of people, we get bound because we got the wrong master. So I feel God, people are going to be set free this morning by really submitting in a deeper level to the lordship of Jesus because here's the good news. He's a good master. He is a good lord. He is not a cruel taskmaster. He has good plans. That doesn't always mean it looks like what the world says is good, but he has good, good things in store for us. And as we'll see, the greater, that we, the greater measure we surrender to the lordship of Jesus in our life, the greater freedom you will walk in. If you're bound, I tell you this, it usually always comes back to a lordship issue. Something else has master over you. And Jesus wants to say, I want to be your master. Amen? So there, I, I really believe that as we go through this, there is going to be a grace that will touch our hearts today. That uh, here's what you say, what do you, what do you mean by that? Here, here's what I feel is that when I say grace is released, I think by the time we're done, there's going to be something inside of you that says, I want to give him more. <laughs> That's the grace. Holy Spirit is depositing a unique grace to step into what we're talking about. And then what we're going to do is we're going to lay hands on people that want to be prayed for. And we're simply going to confirm and come into agreement with what God is doing already in their hearts. And people are going to step out in a new measure of freedom today. Yes? Yes, the Lordship of Jesus. He's, he's Lord of all. Let me say one more thing, and then we'll, I want to read the other psalm real quick. When I said that he's a good master, a good owner, part of the um, understanding of biblical ownership when it comes to bond slaves, indentured servants, is not only was your servant submissive to you, but the owner had a responsibility for the servant. This is very important. He had, he had a responsibility for the servant. Uh, for example... First uh, Peter 3, 6, Sarah refers to Abraham, her husband, as her Lord. And in that, yes, she was saying that there's an authority that he carries in the household, but what she's also saying is, he's my provider. He's my protector. The weight of this household falls on my husband's shoulders. I'm sure any married couple in here that, that is in a healthy marriage, can a wife can testify that it is a beautiful thing to have a husband who takes the headship of the house because when things, you know, start to get ruffled, it falls on the husband's shoulders. He says, this is my role to provide for your family. This is my role to protect. This is my role to take care. So when Jesus, Father, Holy Spirit say, I am your Adonai, he's saying, I will provide for you. I will protect for you. I will guard you. I will give you guidance. Look to me. It actually, Adonai begins to lead us into what's called the doctrine of providence, which is that God has not only created all, but now he provides for all that he has created. It's a glorious thing. 
If we submit to his lordship, God says, I will meet every need. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. What we got to do is get delivered from living for our own little life and our own little purpose. Jesus, God says, come up higher. Live for my kingdom and stop living just for your life, and you'll find that every need in your life will be met. <laughs> Everything will be provided for when you yield your life to me. That is glorious news. So he, he's a provider. He's a good master. He is a good owner. All right? So real quick, look at Psalm 110. Psalm 110, I want to read this, and then we're going to jump into Philippians 2. By the way, how do, how do you know? Here's my heart. How do you know that we're growing in the revelation of our God as Adonai? We're going to see, we're going to see uh, submission starts to come from your life. Things like surrender starts to come from your life. Things like yielding starts coming from your life. And here's what happens. When you start yielding, surrendering, and obeying God, guess what happens? Freedom starts touching your life. <laughs> Freedom. At, Paul, man, I don't want to jump ahead, but Paul talks about how bound he is to the will of God. And Paul preached freedom. You will never be more free than when you are bound to Jesus' will for your life. You will be free. You will be free when you say yes to what he has in your life. You will find rest when you really look to him as your Adonai because he provides all. So real quick, look at Psalm 110. Uh, Psalm 110, which is really interesting, is that this is the most quoted and alluded Old Testament passage in the New Testament. So the New Testament references Psalm 110 more than any other passage because it just drips with prophetic language over Jesus. And David's the one who pens it, and I want you to, I want you to see this. Look what it says. I'm just going to read the first verse. It says, the Lord... Look, the Lord, this is David, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. So David wrote this and says, the Lord, all capitals, says to my Lord, just a capital L, sit at my right hand until I make all your enemies your footstool. What is he saying here? He's saying Yahweh, Yahweh is going to place someone at his right hand. And this one who sits at the right hand of Yahweh will rule and reign from that position. David says there's one that will actually be a descendant of mine. He will be a seed of David. He will be a son of David. This is the title for Jesus. When blind Bartimaeus saw Jesus walking by, he said, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus is the son of David that's being prophesied here. And it says that one will come, Yahweh will place one at his right hand, and give him the glorious title that was reserved only for the Father. And that is Adonai, Lord. The Lord, Yahweh, says to my Adonai, sit at my right hand. Beloved, we know today that the one who sits at the right hand is Yeshua. It's Jesus. Which means this tells us, Psalm 110, that Jesus the Son is also Adonai. He is the Adonai in this. Woo! He's the Lord of everything. Now I feel like he is Lord over our lives and over all things. And we're going to get hit with that revelation today. And so in the Hebrew, the, the word right here is Adonai for Lord. In the New Testament, the word for Lord is kurios. Kurios. But I just want you to know it's really emphasizing the same thing. And there is no, I think, better passage to see the lordship of Jesus than in Philippians chapter 2. So I want you guys to turn there with me. And here's where, uh, man, here's just going to get real. <laughs> and I'm excited. I'm so excited. Philippians chapter 2. I guess I should turn there as well. Philippians chapter 2. 
Jesus is Adonai. <laughs> I really feel that. I want to look at the lordship of Jesus over our lives. Listen, Philippians chapter 2. How many of you have ever read this, this portion of scripture? Okay, we're going to look specifically at verses 5 through 11. But this portion of scripture is one of the most glorious passages in the entire Bible. I, I realize the whole word is God breathed, so I, I'm, I'm slow to say that because every word is glorious if we just spend time to let it marinate on it. But there are certain passages that really, I mean, there's just something about them. It feels like in my heart they just begin to transcend some of the others in a personal way. And this passage right here, this is holy ground that we're about to go on. We're going to tread on holy ground we're about to read. Here's the background. This, this, these, these few verses, 5 to 11, was actually written as a hymn. It's actually a poetic creed. It's widely believed that when the early church gathered, they would gather together and most likely they would sing these few verses here together. So, so powerful. And what we're going to see is an incredible fusion of the humility and exaltation of Jesus. The humility of Jesus and his exaltation. So here, here's how I want you to picture this as we're reading through, and I'll come back to this. As we read verses 5 through 11, I want you to imagine the letter V. That's kind of what this passage makes. On one, on one sense, when we start reading, we're going to have this descend of Jesus and his humility. It climaxes at verse 8 where he dies on a cross. And then from verse 9 on, we get the upward trend of his exaltation and it forms this V. And as we journey together, what we're going to see is Jesus becomes the ultimate model for what it looks like to be a bond slave to the Father's will. He's going to reveal to us what it really looks like to see God as Adonai in our life. Oh, and it's going to just like wreck us. And then we're going to see his exaltation and realize the same one who got that low is also Lord of all. And we're going to be moved by the fact that that's, he is Adonai in our lives, okay? So here we go. Let's, uh, let's start to read this. Philippians chapter 2. I'm just going to highlight a few passages, a few uh, scriptures in this, and uh, we'll see where it goes. So verse 5 says this. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So Paul begins by saying, I want you to imitate Jesus. That's what we're just saying. We're being invited right now to look upon the most perfect model of what it means to respond as a son or a daughter to the father as Adonai. He says, I want you to look to Jesus. What was happening in this church in the first four verses is that contention and conceit was creeping in. That's the first four verses. And Paul says he's exhorting the church to step into unity. And he says, here's how you're going to step into unity. Remember, remember the model of Jesus. Have the same mindset of Jesus. Beloved, if you feel today when we read this that you're overwhelmed by that, as I can be, there's no way. I want you to know that Jesus didn't just model it. Then he ushered in a new day and a new dispensation where when he cracked through death itself and ascended to the Father, he released his spirit. The same spirit with Jesus now lives inside every born-again believer. How many people are born again in this room? Put your hand right here and say, hello, Holy Spirit. Hello, Holy Spirit. You don't have a distant third cousin. You don't have a feeling or a force field. You have the same power that was brooding over the waters in Genesis 1 living inside of you. Living inside of you. Jesus says, I've given you everything to walk in this. 
And so he says, let's read it again. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Listen, ready? We're on the descent now. Here we go. Let's watch Jesus get low. Adonai, Lord of all, is about to get low. He says, who, though he was in the form of God, form, that word in the Greek is morph, meaning he didn't just have an outward appearance of God. It speaks to his essential attributes, his inner nature. It means Jesus was God. A loving man? Absolutely. But he's more than a loving man. He's more than a moral teacher. He's more than just a really good prophet. He's God in the flesh. This is God in the flesh. And look how what God in the flesh does. He says, who though was in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He said, even though I'm God, I'm Adonai, Lord of all. I do not use that position to get. I use it to give. I do not clutch to my rights. I actually freely give them up to benefit another person. Listen, this smashes, this smashes a lot of things that go on in this nation as well. Listen, I love my nation, but, but we got to be careful. Being an American, being a Christian are two different things. They're different things. There are a lot of rights that we need to fight for, but there are some rights that honestly they have no biblical precedence. Jesus didn't fight for rights. He gave them up. He gave them up. He said, I was God. I could have fought for this, but instead I released them and got low. I could have said, but you don't understand how much they hurt me. You don't understand what they've done to me. But he says, no, no, I lay that aside. Listen, listen, we need to learn to relinquish our rights sometimes, all the time, because we're his, we're his bond slave. And so he says, who though is in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. He emptied himself, which means he didn't become void of his deity. His deity became veiled. When he took on flesh, he was still God, but man couldn't see that without the spirit revealing it to them. He laid aside his glory, his status, his reputation. He put it all aside, and Adonai, Lord of all, came and walked among us in flesh. In flesh. Listen. I feel so often in ministry in the West, everyone's jockeying for positions. Everyone's jockeying for titles. Everyone wants a bigger platform. Let Jesus be our model. Jesus got low. Jesus got low. He, listen, we, we, this is the model that we set. This is the way that we live. And so here's what it says. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. This is where things get real. I want to read this again. He said he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Now you read that and you say, wow, Jesus, he's a servant. He did a lot of nice things. Now he does do a lot of nice things. He is a servant in that sense. And I bet if Jesus was a part of our church, first of all, I wouldn't be up here speaking. <laughs> Um, we'd all be laid out on the floor right now. <laughs> uh, but, but if we could just contain ourselves, uh, he would be here in the morning, I bet, setting up and breaking down after. I, like, yeah, okay, he's a servant. But that doesn't capture the weightiness of this word. What it actually is is doulos, which means bond slave. Slave. The Lord of all became a bond slave. Th this, is, this is what doulos means. It means someone who belongs to another without any ownership rights. He became an indentured servant. He became a bond slave. Who is, who is he enslaved to? The Father's will. 
the Father's will. He is teaching us what it means to see God as Adonai. He says, even though I'm God, I laid aside all of my rights and became a slave to my Father's will. So listen, this is where it gets so beautiful. And I really want you to hear this. Jesus is considered a bond slave here, a bond slave, not just a, a nice person. He got low and gave up all rights. I want you to write this down, and I want you to look at this later today. Exodus 21, verses 1 through 6. Exodus 21, verses 1 through 6. In that passage, we learn what it actually means to be a bond slave. And in Exodus 21, verses 1 through 6, if you read a subtitle of it, it would say, The Law of Slaves the law of the indentured servant, the law of the bond slave. And I'm just going to summarize it for you, and then we're going to bring it back into Jesus. And here's what it says. In the Old Testament, in biblical culture, what could happen is if someone found themselves financially down and out on the verge of poverty and being homeless, that man could go to another person, another man, and go to their household and say, I want to become your slave. I can't survive on my own. The man who, who was... The owner of the house would say yes. And what would happen is that man who, who said, I want to become your slave, would enter into a six-year agreement. For six years, this man would become a slave in that household. He would work. He gave up ownership rights. The owner of that household was his master. What the owner said to do, that man would do. But here's what's amazing. is after six years, going into the seventh year, the law says that that man had the opportunity to be set free. But for a lot of reasons, which I'm not going to get into, the man also had a choice to remain and make a conscious de decision to say, I choose to remain as a slave in this household. I choose for you to be my master. And if he did that going into the seventh year, it was not just for another six years. It was forever. Forever. And if a man made a choice willfully to say, I choose to be here, I choose to give my full allegiance to you, what the owner would do is he would then pierce him. He would pierce his ear and put a color-coded like ring inside of it. And here's what I want you to get. The piercing became a public declaration to the owner, to the slave himself, and to the entire community that this man by his own choice has decided to become a slave to this master. And for the rest of his life, he says, I am bound to you and to your will for my life. It was the piercing that became the testimony to everyone around that this man wasn't forced to do it. He gave a free choice. So when Jesus, this man is called a bond slave. When it says Jesus is a bond slave, when he went to the cross and was pierced for our transgressions. When Zechariah 12.10 says, they will look upon the one they pierce and they will mourn. Every piercing in his head, in his hands, in his side, he was declaring, Father, not my will but yours. Father, not my will but yours. He was declaring, I willfully give up my will. I willfully lay down my life. Father, I become a bond slave. Every time he's pierced, he's declaring to the world, this is my choice. This is my choice. I give up my life. Why? To rescue me and you from the slavery of sin. Beloved, every time he was pierced, you know what happened? Blood flowed. Blood flowed. When they pierced his head, blood flowed. When they pierced his hands and his feet, blood flowed. When they pierced his side, blood flowed. You know why that's so important? Because that was the necessary currency to purchase us from the slavery of sin. 
when he was pierced and blood began to flow, the father looked upon that blood and said, it is enough. It is enough. It is sufficient. It's the needed, it's the needed uh, uh, currency to purchase every person from slavery of sin. To what? To go and live our own life now? Uh-uh. He says, now you are a slave to sin. Now I've purchased you. You're a slave to righteousness. This is what he did. He purchased us. It, the, the whole idea is just as, a, as, a, as a, an owner would go up to where they were selling slaves and give gold and say, I want him, I want him, I want him. Here's your gold. When Jesus was getting pierced and his blood was flowing, he says, I want him, I want him, I want her, I want Andrew, I want Caesar, I want Brittany, I want this entire assembly and home church. I'm purchasing all of them. That's the payment that he was making. It's the whole idea just as a slave owner would purchase one. Jesus said, I became and took on your punishment as a slave to sin for the wages of sin is death. I paid it so that you could now be set free, not to go run without me, but you would become bound to me, which is where we find freedom. This is why throughout all the scriptures, you'll see over and over scriptures say things like Paul, 1 Corinthians 6, 1920. Paul says, don't you know that we are the... The, the dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. And then he says this. He says, you are not your own. He says, you have been bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Glorify God in your body. How many people are born again? Again, raise your hand. Do you know that we're not our own? The meaning of that means I can't, I have to do what my master says. I have to submit to what he wants for my life. And the beauty is that he is such a good master. It's no, it's no wonder why Paul, when Paul would speak, he would often use this same word, bond slave. Romans 1.1, the whole letter to Romans, this is how it starts. Paul says, Paul, a servant to Jesus Christ. What he was saying is, Paul, a bond slave to Jesus Christ. Paul says, I am bound to the will of Jesus Christ. He purchased me. I'm not my own. And Paul says, I wasn't even forced to do this. I willfully make this choice in my life. I willfully give him everything. I willfully give him everything. The one who gave everything for me, I give up all for him. Oh. Man. Wow. been purchased <laughs> from slavery to sin so that you could become a slave to righteousness, which is what every person's heart longs for. Don't misunderstand. That's a beautiful thing. You long for righteousness. So do I. We long to live in purity. We long to live in how God has made us. It's the lies of the world. We start living for that that actually breaks us down. <laughs> it's dissatisfying. As we always say, when you say no to those things, yeah, you may miss out, but your heart will miss out. Because those things actually leave you more bound and captive. They leave you more bound and captive. Let's keep reading. He actually gets even lower still. And verse 8 says, and being found, verse 8, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Boom. If we're making that V, we just got to the bottom, bottom point of that V. 
What is the lowest part of this descent? Even death on a cross. Adonai, Lord of all, died a death on a cross. Humiliation, shame, the cursed death for me and for you. And actually, if you stop here in verse 8, it's almost as if the Lord of all is gone. <laughs> and here's, here's the picture that I have. I think it was actually, I may have, I couldn't remember, but it may have been C.S. Lewis who said something like this. He said, imagine a man who's picking up a heavy load off the ground. And when you pick up something really heavy, the man has to get incredibly low, right? You got to get really low. And he says, there's actually a part where if it's heavy enough, the man will have to get so low that for a moment he disappears under the weight of that load only to rise up with it on his shoulders, Jesus got so low, for a moment it seemed he had disappeared and that the grave had swallowed him up. But in actuality, he was just preparing to rise up with the weight of the new heavens, new earth hinging on his shoulders. New life and new creation. And so look, here's, here's the ascend now to his exaltation. Now we begin to go up on that V. Look what it says. Verse 9. Ready? Therefore. Therefore. Meaning, as a result of him who got so low, therefore, God has highly exalted him. Man, God will exalt man. Bible says that. If you humble yourself, God will exalt you. But no one has ever been highly exalted. There's only one who is highly exalted. It is the one who is Lord of all, but became bound to the Father's will. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, ready, and bestowed or graced upon him, given him. Ooh, the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. I'm going to stop there for a moment. Jesus got this low and then he was now, he's, he's being raised up and exalted. So that at the name of Jesus, it's going to say every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. On earth on in heaven, on earth, under the earth. And I want you to know this right now. He's been given the name above every name. And we say, so that the name at Jesus. Listen, the name of Jesus technically is a name above every other name. But that's actually not where we're supposed to stop. I've always stopped there. I thought it was just Jesus where we're stopping at. His name is the name above every name, but there's a reason why. There's a title that he's receiving now that's going to be attached to this, that when people hear the name Jesus, they're going to know something about him. See, this name was given to him after he ascended. He already had the name Jesus. Jesus was given at his birth. And actually, if we're on an, on an ascend, if we're ascending right now, we haven't reached the climax till verse 11. If you stop here, you miss why every knee is going to bow at Jesus. You miss that. And it says, in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. Meaning every place where a person, a personal being could, could find living, they're all going to respond to this. Whether they do it voluntarily in their life or do it involuntarily in their death, every single human being, every spiritual being is going to recognize this reality about Jesus. Are you ready for it? Here's what it says. Let's read it again. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And here's the climax. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's Lord. He's Lord. This is the title that the Father was giving to the name Jesus. Saying, this Jesus now is Lord over all. This is actually a quotation of Isaiah 45. 
around like verse 23 where it says in the Old Testament, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Yahweh is Lord. Now we know the Son is Yahweh and the Son is Adonai. This is the title above every other title. Jesus Christ is Lord. Listen, just listen, Acts 2.36, when Peter, Holy Spirit falls at Pentecost, Peter stands, quotes Joel, but then he says this at the end of it. He says in verse 36, he says, Let all the house rule of Israel therefore know for certain that God made him, meaning Jesus, both Lord and Christ. This Jesus whom you crucified. He says, God has made this Jesus, the Father, Lord and Christ. It doesn't mean that Jesus wasn't Lord before this. What it means is that after he defeated and triumphed over sin, sickness, Satan, the kingdom of darkness, and made a way for us to come out, after that, his lordship is being actualized now. Everyone is now going to see that he is Lord over all. Ephesians 1 says that Jesus, the Father, exalted him and raised him up into the heavenly places. And then in verse 21, it says this, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. Forever and ever, he is Lord of all. He's Lord over every principality, every power. Do we recognize the one we call friend, who he is, he's Lord. Everything comes under him now. Every name, the name we say, depression and, and, and uh, addiction. This is why we pray in faith, because we know the lordship of Jesus. Sickness comes under the name of Jesus. Do, do you know that this past Friday night we had a uh, prayer set? At the end of the prayer set, there was a woman who still had remnant left of a tumor. And she had to go have a checkup the following week, actually on Tuesday. At the end of the prayer set, we prayed for her. Well, I found out this week that on Tuesday, she went to the doctor and the tumor was completely gone. The tumor was completely gone. I feel the Lord said it's just the beginning when we recognize his lordship over everything. Guys, this isn't some side issue. Our redemption hinges on our willingness to bow before the feet of Adonai and say, you are Lord of all. Romans 10.9 says, you can't even be born again and saved unless you can confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And that God, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. As I said before, this isn't just some philosophical affirmation, I think is what I called it. It's a confession of the heart. There's freedom for every person here today. Even if you've already been born again, there's always more. But it comes through us, again, coming before his feet and saying, you're Lord of all. Again, saying, God, I submit even more. I surrender even more. I'll obey even more. I'll do whatever you ask me to do, Lord. You know what the implication is of this? When we see Jesus rightly as Lord of all, Jesus isn't some side issue. <laughs> like, the, the, the Lord issue, it's not, it's not some side issue. The implication is, is that Jesus, we don't try Jesus. If you hear a gospel presentation that at the end of it says, hey, if you'd like, give Jesus a try today. Beloved, we do not try Jesus. We do not experiment with Jesus. Uh, um, we, don't, we don't try him out like a luxury item for 30 days and say, ah, it wasn't really for me. I'm going to put it back. That's that me-centered gospel. No, no, no. We don't try Jesus. We surrender to Jesus. We thank the one who was pierced so that we could be set free. 
we bow before Adonai and say, thank you that I even have an opportunity to fall before your feet today. Thank you that I can be made new, Lord. Jesus' life is not on trial before ours. We're not saying prove yourself to me, Jesus. Our lives are on trial before him. We fall before him and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Listen to me. I feel like I, there's so much grace for freedom right now. But some will leave and just go out. But if we respond, there's freedom here. Because the Bible says no one can serve two masters. No one can have two Adonais. No one can have two Curios. And I can tell you this, if you, because if, it says this, you'll love one and hate the other. So that means if you have a master in your life like money, when, when Jesus starts saying, give it away, or yield to me, you start despising Jesus because money's your master. That's why you can't serve two. But Jesus, I want you free. Come and serve me. Look upon me. Give your life to me. Most of our internal conflict, I can speak at least my own, my own life, most of the, just like the, the craziness that I feel in turmoil is because I have a heart that has, is divided when it comes to masters. Some say, I got a relational issue, pastor. I've got a financial issue. No, here's what I found. We've got a lordship issue. If we come back to him as Lord, things start working out in our life. Things start working out. There is freedom. Oh, man, there's so much freedom. We say yes. Does anyone feel like someone, like, I want to give more to him? <laughs> That's the grace of the Lord just stirring it up. That's the grace of the Lord, and it's available for it to be something that is sealed here today. Remember, remember that Paul said he's a bond slave to Christ. Do you know that Paul preached freedom more than anyone else? <laughs> Paul said over and over how he was free in Christ. Uh, who the Son sets free is free indeed. What do you mean, Paul? You said you're a slave to Christ. He says, oh, I am, I am most free when I am most bound to Jesus. <laughs> That's how good of a master he is. He says, I am most free when I am most bound to him. When I most say yes. Like, what's he saying in your life? <laughs> There's always more, and his grace, and he's so good, he's saying, come deeper, come deeper. Submission, surrender, yielding, it is like the entry point to the more of God. That's what I'm finding out. It's like, God, do more, do more. He says, well, yield and surrender with what you have right now. Obey right there, and then there's more, and then there's more, and then you know, I take you deeper, and I take you deeper. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. Come on. He's Adonai, Lord of all. Jesus, Jesus. Is this on right now? Is this guy turned off? Got me, thank you. While everyone's here, I want to share one other thing, and then we're going to pray. For those of you who like to pray, I want you to really quick with, quickly, just if you could, turn with me to Luke chapter 6. And this is where I want to, I want to close. Luke chapter 6. Are we here today? Man, I should have said this in the beginning. I'm always a pretty intense guy. I felt intensity on today. Uh, but, but at the same time, uh, what I really love is that I, um, we had such joy break out today. That joy is actually the fruit of what we're talking about today. Like, that's what I'm telling when we say we can't serve two masters. You're like, man, I want to be free like that. The, 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 the kingdom works so opposite. You want to be first, you got to be last. You want to be great, get low. You want to be free, get bound to Jesus. <laughs> It's like, hold on, this just like smacks our thinking. This is how you get set free. Say, so I'm gonna give you more today. I'm gonna give you more today. 
And so here's what I wanna just give you something really practical. How do you, how does Jesus exercise his lordship over you primarily? Or how could you display that he is Lord over your life? I think the greatest way is obedience to his voice, to his word. And I wanna read something to you in Luke chapter six. Look at verse 46. Jesus just gets done giving the Sermon on the Mount. It is the greatest sermon ever given by the greatest preacher ever given. In the book of Matthew, it says that when the people are done, they're astonished at what they heard. I, I, I forget who it was, someone said it, that uh, I, I call that mouth, mouth uh, open, jaw drop. They're just like, I can't believe what I heard. And Jesus, Jesus is gonna confront them and say, that's awesome. That's awesome if you're astonished by what I said but I want my word to get inside you. And he says, in, and listen to this, verse 46. Jesus, you guys there, Luke 6. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Now you need to hear the compassion of our Lord because he's gonna give an exhortation and warn them that when shaking comes, if we haven't, yielded to his voice. Shaking just like blows up our whole lives. But he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord and not do what I tell you? Guys, Jesus, Jesus is saying, I I'm thankful that you, uh, that you heard my words. I'm thankful that you, you came to hear me speak, but I want my voice and my word to get on the inside of you. Like I want more than people, this is Jesus, I feel, I feel what he's saying to me through this. I want more than people that show up faithfully to church gatherings and say that was a good message and then leave. He says, that's awesome. But what I want is I want my words to get on the inside of you. I want people that are yielding to my voice. If I am Lord over your life, then give your life. Trust me fully, trust me fully. Listen, he's saying, I'm so glad that you came to the Sermon on the Mount conference. I'm glad you came out for the conference and that's great. But honestly, you coming here doesn't really have much cost to your life. You can show up and leave. That's not the cost. The cost is when you heard my voice and it started touching your life. Yeah. Will you yield to it now? Will you surrender to it now? Then I'll be Lord over your life. And he goes on to say that those that respond and say yes to his voice and obey it, he says they'll be like ones that built on a solid foundation that when the winds come and the waves come, he says, they'll remain steadfast. But those who do not, it's like sand, he says in Matthew. He says, the wind will come and it will blow them away. Which tells me one thing, all of us will go through, all of, there is increasing glory coming, I believe, in this nation, along with increasing shaking. And Jesus is zealous for a bride that's gonna stand victorious. But it comes from us doing his word and doing his word comes from us recognizing he's Lord over our lives. Yes? Come on, why don't you stand with me? Why don't you stand with me? Oh, I want us to tremble at his word. I want to tremble at his word. That when I hear it, I yield to it completely. How many people just want to say, go deeper with Jesus right now? I want to give him more. I want to give him more. I want to give him more. Come on, don't be ashamed. Raise your hand nice and loud. You say, I want to give him more. I want to give him more. Yeah, right in this place. Yeah, you just begin to tell the Lord yourself right now. You begin to cry out to him, Jesus, I pray that you would touch, touch the hands that are lifted. I pray you would touch hearts right now, Lord. I pray you would touch hearts right now, Lord. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are stirring hearts right now. I thank you that you're calling us to give more, to give more to the one who gave all. 
Lord, I just pray that you would be so personal in this ministry time, that you would bring to remembrance, start with me, things that you have been asking me to do, but I have been bucking back, Lord. And I pray that when I see your passion, that I would give more. I pray that when people consider your passion today, that they would give more. I thank you that you're the Adonai that makes us want to willfully give ourselves away. That's how good you are. I pray for freedom, 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 freedom in this place. I pray for one master in Jesus' name, one master in Jesus' name, Lord of all, Lord of all. God, we give you this time, Holy Spirit, that when we lay hands, you said that these signs will follow those who believe. We believe today, Lord. We believe you're Lord of all. So we pray that you would save the lost, you would heal the sick today, you would set free the delivered, you would, you would cause the hungry to become even hungrier, Lord. There's always more, there's more, there's more, there's more. But we must decrease so that he can increase. So do it here today, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Listen, I'm gonna ask prayer team to come up, Pastor Crystal, if she can. Listen, if you raise your hand, I really encourage you to come forth and be prayed over right now. I believe the Lord said that when we lay hands, it's gonna seal what God has already been doing in your heart. If you do not know Jesus and you've never confessed him as Lord, today is the day of salvation. Just come forth and tell someone, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna give my life to Jesus and let, let them lay hands and they will lead you and pray for you. We're gonna pray you be filled with the spirit. But as we're worshiping, if you lifted your hand, I encourage you to come forth and we're gonna pray for you. Come on, don't even wait. Just come, just come, just come. There's such freedom here. Come on, there's such freedom. There's more. If you stay in your seat, that's fine. Just worship with us. Jesus is Lord of all. It's a new day. It's a new day. Can I have Pat and Diane? Can you guys come up and pray? 